So Britney Spears has a book out. It's called The Woman in Me. And she has had such a unique and tragic and difficult life filled with the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows. And she's talking about it all in her book. And I want to unpack it and really dive deep into this book because some of the stuff that's come out in the press and the media and the way that people look at Britney Spears today is a little unfortunate to say the least. There's a lot here. And I'm going to unpack it all and we're going to talk about it. That and the death of Matthew Perry, the actor from Friends. So we got some really heavy stuff to talk about today. So let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and today, celebrity talk. By now, most of you know that Matthew Perry, the actor from Friends and many other movies and entertainment, passed away. And it was such a shock. He was 53 years old. He had struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism. In fact, I had, uh, I always want to say read, but listened to his audiobook probably two to three months ago, somewhere around there. And it was so good. It's so great when you get to hear audiobooks because, especially when, the actual writer narrates the entire thing because it feels like you're just having a conversation with the person and they're, you're just chilling in their living room and you're listening to them talk and share their stories and their experiences. And, you know, it feels very intimate and very private and his book is really good. So it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, and so in some ways I felt like I knew him for a couple of reasons. One, back in my acting days, they were the same time of his acting days. He was a year older than me. And when he was going to pilot season and auditioning in LA and New York, so was I. I was in no way at the level that he was at and obviously never achieved the fame status that he achieved. But it's interesting when I hear his book, the stuff he talks about and the the times that he's talking about. And I'm like, oh my God, I was in LA then too and in New York then too and pursuing true, you know, all of the same stuff at the same time. And so, you know, I've known a lot of actors in my life, some famous, some not, most of them not, but some of the people that I waited tables with and we all auditioned and sort of came up through theater at the same time. You feel a connection with them. I mean, for me, the people that I know, probably the most famous person that I ever worked with who was quote unquote a nobody and then became successful was actor Steve Howey. And he's on or was on that show that was on Showtime, Shameless. 
Um, he was in sort of a wedding movie with Kate Hudson. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and some other stuff. Oh, he was on the Reba McIntyre sitcom called Reba. He played the boyfriend, kind of the dumb, I guess he was a husband, but kind of like a dumb blonde kind of character, like very, you know, like butch, but stupid. And, uh, but yeah, he, it, it's funny to look back. Like he was a guy <laughs> when we worked in the restaurants, I worked with him for, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe a little bit less. And he was like lazy and didn't do his side work, but he was really charming and all of us had crushes on him, but he was just another actor like the rest of us, except he made it. And there's another guy. So there's a, there's a handful of people that I've worked with where it's like, wow, a guy who was a, a regular on, um, Breaking Bad, another guy who was in the Tom Cruise, what was that movie that just came out? The um, Highway to the Danger Zone. Oh my God, what is the name of the movie? You guys will know the movie I'm talking about. The one that just came out that was like sort of a reboot or a part two from that 80s movie. So I worked with a guy named Charles Parnell and he had like a pretty big role in that movie. So when I think about Matthew Perry, I just think about the fact that we sort of just missed each other in a lot of the acting stuff that I was involved in. And even when I was just waiting tables, um, I saw Jennifer Aniston once. I waited on Matt LeBlanc once. I saw, what's the other one's name? Um, wow, my brain <laughs> is not working right now. What's his name? Cast of Friends. What's the cast of Friends? My dog is like lapping up some water and food right now, which I'm finding very distracting. But um, <clears throat> David Schwimmer, saw him in a restaurant. So I, in, I, in no way do I know these people, right? But you just feel a connection to them. And they've been around for decades and we're all around the same age. They're a little bit older than me. Some of them a little bit more older. And it's just sad that he died. I mean, knowing that he worked really, really hard to get sober and he almost died. He had some other health issues, COPD, which I don't remember what that stands for, cardio obstructive pulmonary, pulmonary disorder, something like that, obstruction, something along those lines, but in your pulmonary system. But he had a lot of opportunities to die basically over and over and over again. And he didn't and, or he basically almost did or, or did and then came back and he fought really hard for his sobriety. And then he wrote, he wrote this book and he's been out saying in interviews, the one thing I want to be remembered for is that I helped other people. That if people came up to me and said, I can't stop drinking, I can't stop, stop taking pills. Can you help me? And he would say yes. And he would help anybody he possibly could. So it's just tragic. They found him in his hot tub, drowned, but the, the, all of the reports and all the tests and everything is inconclusive, which means there's more to the story. He didn't just drown or have a heart attack. There's more to the story. And I'm hoping it's not drug related. I mean, statistically, it is more likely than not that it is drug related, but it's just heartbreaking. You just feel like gone too soon. You know, obviously all of us have to die at some point, but certain celebrities that have been a big part of your life, 
in some capacity, it kind of hits you. I actually did a video on my YouTube channel, which thank you guys so much for all of you who have subscribed and been watching my videos. I They continue to get more and more attention and more and more views. And my channel is growing, which is awesome. I mean, I started and I had like 48 subscribers and now I have 214, which is that thousands and thousands? No, but from 48 to 214 in just a few weeks, not too shabby. So it's going and it's a process and it's it can be painstaking, but my videos have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of views. And I say that because for me, it's a creative outlet. It's a creative process. And I enjoy making videos and the editing process and coming up with the content and the concepts. And it's not just, I don't take it lightly and just go, hey, whatever happens, happens. It's definitely an art form for me. So I'm proud of being able to grow the channel in a way that has been very difficult and elusive for growing this show. Like, podcast, you put them out there, they just sit there unless people find them. Whereas YouTube videos, YouTube will help you push your videos if you do certain things and work with the algorithm and pay attention to what people want, yada, 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 yada. Anyway, I say all of that to say, I posted a video and it's up there now. It's a short, it's like 55 seconds or something like that, 45 seconds. And it's about the fact that oftentimes when celebrities die, people in more often than not middle America bitch about the fact that the rest of us care about celebrities. It's like, oh, this celebrity worship, like Matt Perry didn't know you. You didn't know him. Why are you sad? Like, come on. He's just a character guy on TV. Well, yes, you could look at it that way. Or what it really is, in my opinion, is that this person made or had an impact on your life. Like Friends is millions of peoples, millions of peoples, millions of people, millions of people think that Friends is one of their top 10 TV shows, top five, number one, like all time favorite. And it was a really popular show. You know, I've talked about this before. I really had a hard time with the fact that they didn't have diversity in a city. They lived in New York City and the characters predominantly were all white. But I did watch it in the beginning. I did have my own boycott later on. But I could see it for its writing, its humor, its talent. And people felt connected to those characters. People felt connected to the storylines and you know, so many people you'll see online, they'll say like, I had a shit day at work. I just want to curl up with like, you know, some Ben and Jerry's and watch old reruns of Friends. Like that show makes people happy. And they just had a reunion show and people care about these characters and these people who have gone on to do different things and Jennifer Aniston get married twice and, you know, just all of the stuff that they have done. I, there's a sitcom that Matt LeBlanc did on Netflix that was hilarious. It was only like two seasons. I really wish it would come back. Can't remember what it was called. Can't remember anything these days. But um, <clears throat> it was so good. And David Schwimmer's done movies, kind of 
less lately, I think. I don't know. I don't completely watch his career. But they make an impact on our lives. And we follow them in what they do next. I love Jennifer Aniston's current show, you know, on on Apple TV. The Morning Show is the name of that one. And so whenever I see people online saying things or any articles like, celebrity worship like you didn't know these people it makes me feel like they're missing the point because the same way that poetry or the lyrics of a song or a movie can move us and all of that stuff can be completely fictitious made up and not real at all we can feel a connection to an actor and they make a difference in our lives depending on you know what performances they're in and shows they're on and interviews they do and all of that stuff top gun by the way just remember the movie i was talking about my friend charles parnell was in top gun as one of the head guys i don't remember but so it's just sad it's sad no matter what the outcome is it's heartbreaking if his body just gave out and he had a some other physical ailment that caused him to die because in his book he was like i'm good now i'm happy like he's thinking about getting married it's not too late for him to have kids because you know men can do that when they're 53 55 years old and still make babies and coming from me an older mom it's spectacular um and he is older than me a little bit and i just hoped the best for him like that he was gonna find his sort of third chapter i feel like he had a first and a second and now he's gone. So if something in his body gave out and caused him to die of natural causes, that just seems so cruel for somebody who fought to stay alive. But then on the other hand, if he died, something to do with drugs or alcohol or whatever, that's also sad because that means they beat him. He worked really hard to fight back against these demons of these prescription pills and all the addiction stuff that he dealt with. And if it beat him, it's just sad. And you can just, it's, I mean, this guy had the highest of highs. There was a time when he had like the number one movie in the box office at the, at the box office. And then he had like the number one sitcom at the box office. So, and I think there was some other thing he had at the same time that very few people have ever had. I think Michael J. Fox has had something like that, but just, really, really high highs, and then guzzling gallons of alcohol and pills and just living a very sad life, which is basically what he explains in his book. Spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear anything, maybe fast forward about 30 seconds here. I'll give you a second to get there because some people like to just, you know, read books without knowing anything. I, I like that. But he talks about the fact that the reason why he essentially did the drugs he did and drank the way he did is because he didn't feel worthy or good enough no matter what he did no matter how talented he was it was never enough and that's so true for so many people whether you're a celebrity or not so matthew perry uh rest in peace my friend it's very tragic, but you made a lot of people laugh 
You made a lot of people smile. You made a lot of people happy and you'll continue to do it because the legacy of friends will go on for many, 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 many years. And my, my kids can watch it. My kids' kids can watch it if they want. Sad. It's interesting because um, at the same time all of this is happening, I am reading, again, reading, audiobook listening to the Britney Spears book. And I have got a lot to say about that book. I'm on chapter 24. I don't know how many chapters there are. Let me look at my phone and just see. Does it show you in advance? It says that I'm 58% of the way through. So she's having custody issues with her sons. But I want to play a little clip from her book and which is narrated by actress and Oscar winner Michelle Williams, which is, well, we'll get into it. Let me play. Let me just take a break. And then I will tell you, I will unleash about what I think of the Britney Spears book and the things that she has been saying. So stay with me. Be right back. Hey guys, it's me again. So I'm taking this little commercial break to just, first of all, thank you for each and every one of you who have subscribed to my YouTube channel. I'm super excited. I've actually surpassed a major milestone. In order to get monetized and to grow your YouTube channel, you have to have 4,000 watch hours. I didn't know how I was going to get that, but I've done it. I've surpassed 4,000 watch hours. So thank you guys so, so much. The next milestone is I have to have 1,000 subscribers. I have almost 200. So I'm almost 20% there. It's slow going, but I'm doing it. So if you haven't signed up yet, please check out my YouTube channel at Jody Rollins. You can follow the link in the show notes and just don't forget to subscribe. I do shorts regularly and I'm going to be adding more and more long form videos as my year progresses all about moving to New Hampshire and building our home, all sorts of fun stuff about travels. So check out my YouTube channel. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to my Patreon. The link is also in the show notes. You, if you are the very first person to sign up, will get something very special for me. There's all sorts of tiers that you can choose from, but go ahead, check it out at Jody Rollins on Patreon. And finally, if you haven't subscribed to, or I guess followed me on Instagram, go ahead and do that. And don't forget to check out my Insta stories where you get the latest updates and tidbits and sneak peeks of the show. Thank you guys so much. Please don't forget to follow this show on Apple Podcast. Just click the follow button in the upper right hand corner. There should be three dots or something that says follow and leave a written review if you can and click those five stars. Thank you for all of every moment you have spent listening to this show, subscribing, liking, following and all of the above from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. Britney Spears. So I want to divide this next portion, everything I'm going to say about her book, into two pieces. The first piece is going to be from the perspective that I see a lot of people believe about Britney, what I think Britney wants you to believe about her, and I think is perhaps true in some cases. The second piece is going to be what I believe is true and what I've experienced based on reading her book and watching her whole life, watching her, you know, become a big star. And then we all aged together. She's like, I don't know, 10, 12 years younger than me. So she's been in my life in, you know, watching her for most of it. So yeah, I'm going to divide it in half. I will clearly state which is which so you guys can see, and then you can decide because Britney Spears has become the new polarizing topic. And if you come out on one side, you're a piece of garbage who doesn't appreciate or understand. And if you come out on the other side, then you are right and you are loving and you are compassionate. So I'll let you guys decide which is which. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But we have to think, and I just want to go over briefly Britney Spears' career. And I do mean briefly because I am no Britney Spears historian. I just witnessed it like most of us did. And most of my listeners, you guys are much younger than me statistically. So you saw it probably, you missed maybe 10 to 20 years. (laughs) Or if you went back and saw her when she was younger. But I remember her when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out and she was 16. So, I mean, that song blew up. It was like, who's this cute girl? There was a lot of judgment because in the video, she's dressed like a schoolgirl and dancing kind of sexy. And, you know, she just exploded in popularity. And then all of her songs, you know, that were just these dance pop hits came out. She was the pop princess, as they called her. And her body was phenomenal. And she was always dancing in midriffs. And that wasn't really done before Britney Spears. I mean, yes, you know, way back in the 60s and 70s, they did all kinds of things. But in the 80s and 90s, early 90s, most female singers had their clothes on. Even Madonna, like Madonna had her clothes on. She'd have suggestive things. She'd have pointy bras. She'd have tight things. But Britney Spears blew onto the scene wearing midriff outfits and like tight pants and cute little tops. And her stomach was really flat. And she had like this hourglass figure. She had the, and these beautiful legs and this cute face. And the girl, in case you guys have forgotten, because I know that I've forgotten because of what we see now today on Britney Spears' Instagram, the girl could dance like gymnastics, flips and twists and hip gyrations and running up steps. And like, she's a really talented dancer. And 
as her songs got bigger and bigger and more and more albums and all kinds of things. And then she got more famous dating Justin Timberlake. And then all of these things that happened where she like things went down sideways. She got married for like a few hours in Vegas and then had that annulled or whatever. And then next thing you know, she's married to Kevin Federline, AKA K fed at K fed. And then she has her two sons and then it seems like things go south and the rumors were always Britney Spears was on drugs. She shaved her head. She attacked paparazzi. She was a danger to her children. You know, Kevin Federline got either majority of custody or I don't even know the specifics, so I don't want to say, but it was messy. And then she kind of disappeared a little bit and then kind of came back. And then she did her Vegas residency, which is really popular. She did have a couple of things in there where it was like she had a performance before that sometime after the K-Fed thing where she embarrassed herself, her words, not mine, <clears throat> and was on like MTV or some award show. And she sort of was mumbling around and just slow dancing and just out of it. And then she sort of came back and that's when she had the Vegas residency and it was like, wow, like, I don't know, it felt it was like she looked refreshed to me. And that's when I actually started following her on Instagram because she would do these workout videos and she seemed happy and healthy and playful. And you would see videos of her going to dinner with her kids and seemingly living a normal life where she also happened to be a pop star. And she had this boyfriend who you never really saw, which we now know is Sam, soon to be her ex-husband. You only saw him a little tiny bit. And then something happened where she just seemed very, very different and out of it and off. And her makeup was smeared, her hair extensions were tacky, her clothes got smaller and smaller. And then it was her saying she wasn't gonna perform again. and. We all know the rest of the whole free Britney. She's got a conservatorship and all of that stuff. And then now she's freed from the conservatorship. She gets married. She says she was pregnant. She says she lost the baby, but seems totally fine about it. It's just, and now we see her spinning and spinning and spinning, spinning on Instagram and her husband is now divorcing her. And that's my version of Britney Spears's life, okay? What I know it from the book, from what I watched and experienced. So, chapter one in this section. Um, before I get into sort of my split, I should say my split perspective on this book, I wanna talk about who wrote this book. If you, let me just, go online and type in Brittany. Okay, Britney Spears' book. Uh, I wanna see what it says about the author of this book. Uh, okay. And I'm typing this in, it's interesting. The Woman in Me book. There's a lot of title. there's a lot of books um, with that name, interestingly enough. Okay, so let's go to Amazon and see. It says Britney Spears at the top, and then it says The Woman in Me. So it doesn't say by Britney Spears. It says written, 
Um, yeah, there's nothing that says she wrote it, but it kind of seems to me that they're pushing it as if she did. So who wrote? Okay. So it says here, reportedly, Sam Lansky, L-A-N-S-K-Y. It's reportedly ghostwritten by journalist Sam Lansky. Spears herself expressed interest in writing a book since 2008, saying she wished to do so on the documentary Brittany for the record. Brittany worked with a ghostwriter named Sam Lansky and a uh, an acclaimed novelist and journalist who has written for the Atlantic, blah, 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 blah. So I kind of feel like, and a lot of times you'll see a book and it'll be like title and then it'll say written by, in this case, Britney Spears with Sam Lansky. And this doesn't say anything like that. So the average person, if you don't take the time to Google this, thinks that Britney Spears wrote this book. And I am here to tell you, it is 100% obvious that she did not write this book. It is written in this beautiful, sort of poetic, retrospective, like this thoughtful, sweet, endearing kind of tone, right? And then out of the blue, there will be a phrase in there that you know Britney Spears said herself. It's as if, and this is what I imagine, Britney sat down with this guy, Sam, and he said, tell me your story. What do you remember? He questioned her. What do you think about that? Oh, wait, go back to that. Was that something your mom felt strongly about? How did you feel in that moment? What did you do? Do you remember where you were living then? Like, this is what it feels like he must have done. Because there are a lot of details, and maybe she has a great memory. I don't know. Perhaps she does. But just to give you an example, there will be sentences and paragraphs and phrases that are written like this. I remember when I was 12 and we moved to our country house. It was a beautiful home. It was the kind of home surrounded by trees and bushes and flower fields. And whenever the wind would blow, the flowers would sway back and forth, and I could see them from my bedroom window. I loved that home. It made me happy. I would spend time with my mom and my sister. It was insane. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it was insane. Like you'll hear that phrase all the time, just randomly thrown in there. And you're like, that's Brittany. And then they'll go back to, whenever I would leave that house, I would step out onto the porch and I'd run to my grandma's house. And one time I tripped and I totally messed up my knee. It was insane. And you're like, oh, wait, what? It's almost like a record scratch, like right. Like there's all these little moments that you know are exactly what she said, which is nothing wrong with that, right? She can be who she wants to be, but I just feel like they're perpetrating almost a lie. Like, I don't know. I just think people should know for sure that she did not write this book because it disrespects every writer. I'm a writer. I've been published in Us Magazine, magazines locally. I feel like when you labor over every word, you have a word count, you have story that you're trying to tell and communicate, to call yourself a writer is a very specific thing. 
And when you say that you wrote a book that you obviously did not, and people just go, oh, well, we just assume that everybody knows. No, everybody doesn't know that she had a ghostwriter. He wrote it for her. And she had some moments in there. It just feels disrespectful to writers. And it feels disrespectful to me and you, the audience, who unless you do the research, or if you really think about it, you don't know that she didn't write it. So that's problem number one. Problem number two, the voice that she chose is so smooth and elegant and sweet. And I just want to play a little clip for, for you. And she, Britney Spears, does a small piece at the beginning of this book. And um, I'll play that for you as well. But here's a little piece of a chapter. And we, I want to talk about this particular thing that she talks about in just a moment. So here we go. One day in early January 2008, I had the boys. And at the end of the visit, a security guard who used to work for me and now worked for Kevin came to pick them up. First, he put Preston in the car. When he came to get Jaden, the thought hit me. I may never see my boys again. Given how things had been going with my custody case, I'd become terrified that I wouldn't get the kids again if I gave them back. I ran into the bathroom with Jaden and locked the door. I just couldn't let him go. I didn't want anyone taking my baby. A friend was there and came to the bathroom door and told me the security guard would wait. I held Jaden and cried so hard, but no one was giving me extra time. Before I knew what was happening, a SWAT team in black suits burst through the bathroom door as if I'd hurt someone. The only thing I was guilty of was feeling desperate to keep my own children for a few more hours and to get some assurance that I wasn't going to lose them for good. Now, I just want to stop right there. There are so many moments like that in her book. I mean, that sounds heartbreaking. No matter who you are, if you're about to lose your kids, divorce is horrible and nasty. Even if you only get to see your, your kids 50% of the time, it's heartbreaking or every other this or that. It's so painful, but, Im but imagine if the shoe were on the other foot and K-Fed had done that. And when I say there are a lot of moments like that, there are a lot of moments that she downplays her actions and takes zero responsibility and upplays anyone else's. Meaning she was supposed to give her child children back and she grabs one of them and goes into a bad a bathroom and locks herself in long enough that the SWAT team has to get assembled. Do you know what it takes to get that to happen? That doesn't happen in one second over a child custody thing. That's like, okay, step one, Brittany come out. Step two, we've been knocking on the door. Step three, how long you been in there? Step four, the police come. Step five, like to get to SWAT team isn't a simple thing no matter who you are, unless you're a freaking, freaking murderer or something. But she had already at this point had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, even though she says she didn't. I don't know what's true or not. That's what was believed. And now she won't give her son back. And nobody knows what she's doing in that bathroom. And she didn't just take both of them. She took one. And she's like, I'm just guilty of wanting to spend time with my child. No. You're not just guilty of that. Again, flip it. Let's flip the script, the script, right? 
imagine Britney Spears and her people go to pick up her kids, his kids, from K-Fed's house, and Kevin Federline grabs one of the kids and runs into the bathroom and locks the door and doesn't come out until the SWAT team comes. People would be like, what a piece of garbage. What's he doing to Brittany? Oh my God, those kids, like what happened in that bathroom? Why did he only take one? Does the other one feel left out? What a horrible person. That's not right. You can't do that. You can't take your own kids. Like he deserved it. He should go to jail. But because it's Brittany, America's sweetheart, she takes zero responsibility and says, I was just guilty of loving my children and wanting to spend more time with them. No, you weren't. And here's another little side note before I play the next clip. Look, it's obvious that Britney Spears has mental illness. And when you see and you listen to the stuff that she had to do in her book, she talks about her youth and we all kind of remember what her childhood was like and the stuff that she did and the questions that they asked her when she was a young girl, sexualized questions about were her boobs real or fake? Like the pressure that she was under, she was a machine for her family. How much is true? We will never know. There's two sides to every story. But what is 100% true is that she started when she was really, really young before she was even a teenager, she was performing. And then she was sexualized before she was even 16 years old. And she never had a chance to be a regular person. It was always, she was like a thing, a sex object, Britney Spears, the money-making machine for her parents and her family. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, think about it. She was a little girl and she started making money for her, her family and they lived off of it. And again, I don't know the specifics. None of us really know. We only know what she said. He said, whatever. But she didn't have a normal childhood. And you can see, like, there's a famous clip. If you're really interested in this it's a diane sawyer interview just google the diane sawyer britney spears interview i think she's like 19 and diane sawyer and i remember watching this at the time so this is whatever in the 90s she's asking her about her virginity and questions like that and maybe not her virginity but like her breakup and what she did to justin how she like it's so intrusive and she just looks like she's she wants to melt into the chair. Like nowadays, that kind of interview would not fly. Like people would say, she's 19, don't ask her that. Ask her about her album, ask her what she likes to do when she's not working and not touring, ask her, you know, what's her favorite drink at Starbucks, and is she seeing anybody, and then move on. Like it is so much pressure on this young girl at the time it's obvious and it makes perfect sense as to why she's in the position she's in now she, since she's been off her conservatorship she's been pulled over by the police like three times driving without a license crossing a double yellow line um something else i can't remember what it was i just saw one of the videos the one that she just got pulled over for i think like a couple days ago 
and uh <coughs> excuse me <coughs> she's like <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Officer, he's like, you know, I pulled you over and he's really nice. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, he's like, can I see your license? She didn't have it with her. She doesn't have a license. She's like, oh, my security guard's just right up there. He's got my passport. She doesn't have a driver's license. Not like she doesn't have it with her. She doesn't have a license and she doesn't have insurance. She's 42 years old. And she says to the police officer, I'm sorry, I was I was just trying to get over there because I got to go to the bathroom really bad and my butt's about to drop out from itself or something along those lines. And then the, the video cuts and it's just like, okay. And she's been through stuff that most of us can't even fathom. I mean, every ounce of her, her body has been judged and looked at through a metaphoric microscope, what she does with her hair, what her teeth look like, what her makeup look like, the size of her muscles, the size of her butt and her boobs, how flat her stomach, what like everything. And having paparazzi chase after you and all of the stuff that she talks about in her book, again, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know, this would be a time when you maybe want to fast forward 30 seconds. But she talks about how um, she and Justin Timberlake together decided more his behest than hers to have an abortion when she got pregnant. And that was devastating for her. And she had to keep it a secret. And like going through all of the stuff that she's gone through, and I'm sure there's stuff that she left out because it's too private maybe or too personal. It's like, what do people expect her to be? I mean... <clears throat> Now she's on Instagram, you know, spinning in circles and stuff and smeared makeup and saying strange things and with tons of emojis and, but it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see that this person can't just live a normal life and she doesn't even know how. So let me play this little clip here. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> See if I can find it. I'm going to play this clip from the very beginning of her book. Okay, here we go. This is the dedication, and this portion, it's the only small portion that is read by Britney Spears. Here we go. For my boys who are the loves of my life. This book has been a labor of love and all the emotions that come with it. Reliving everything that you're about to hear has been exciting, heart-wrenching, and emotional, to say the least. For those reasons, I will only be reading a small part of my audiobook. I'm so grateful to the amazing Michelle Williams for reading the rest of it. And to you, for listening. Prologue. As a little girl, I walked for hours alone in the silent woods behind my house in Louisiana singing songs. Being outside gave me a sense of aliveness and danger. When I was growing up, my mother and father fought constantly. He was an alcoholic. I was usually scared in my home. Outside wasn't necessarily heaven either, but it was my world. And I just want to stop there. But even her voice, her voice is shot. She talks about smoking cigarettes and doing all kinds of things. And you know, when you record things like this, they clean up sounds or gargles or they try to make your voice sound the best possible no matter who you are 
And that's the best. So she has experienced kind of similarly to Matt Perry, highest of the highs, like meeting people, presidents and huge celebrities and probably diplomats and traveling all over the world and dining in the most expensive restaurants and staying in the most expensive hotels and and private yachts and private beaches and you name it. But also her first memories are of being afraid. And now she's not even able to manage her life in such a way where she has a driver's license and insurance. And this is the part where I want to divide the show in two. Okay. So we'll call it chapter one. <clears throat> and chapter one is what I generally hear and what I believe most people's perspective is after they read this book, what they see about her, what they think about her. <coughs> Excuse me. This is it. And I think I have. <coughs> One more sneeze. <clears throat> so chapter one, and then chapter two will be another perspective. And again, there's a famous type of therapy called, and I've mentioned this before, dialectical. <coughs> oh my gosh, this is annoying. Dialectical behavioral therapy. And one of the core principles to DBT is that two things can be true at the same time. And there's a lot of other stuff that's involved in that, but that's one of the core principles and beliefs. And I think this is important to bring up because in our society today, and I've done shows about this before, we live in this place where you have to be either or. You're like team Brittany, or I'm team Justin, or I'm, you know, my team is the Redskins, which means, well, I guess we don't have that anymore, no disrespect. My team is the Broncos, or my team is the Jets. And so I hate the Raiders, and I hate the Cowboys, and I only like this. And I'm team Donald Trump, which means Joe Biden is garbage, or I'm, you know, whatever. There's you, Everything has to be black or white. You draw a line, and there's no shades of gray, which is ridiculous because life is filled with shades of gray. Sometimes you have strange feelings. Sometimes you're attracted to this person, but then you're a little annoyed by them. Maybe you love your husband, but he's driving you crazy. Maybe your girlfriend is somebody really special to you, but it's not healthy for you. Like all kinds of things help, I mean, happen in our lives that are shades of gray. And Britney Spears or any human being is no different. So two things are true at the same time, in my opinion. But here is one version, and I think it's the most popular. Okay. Britney Spears is somebody who had a very difficult life. She's incredibly talented, but then her life got even more difficult because her dad wanted to control everything. Britney Spears was just trying to live her life. She was doing the best that she could, the paparazzi ruined her life. 
Um, the media ruined her life and her dad controlled her life. Her sister is a terrible person who's turned her back on her and has sided with her father. And all Britney Spears was trying to do was to live her life. And then she got placed under a conservatorship and her life was ruined and her dad took all of her money and controlled everything she did. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't be trusted, which she had no reason to be put under the conservatorship. She just had her life ruined and controlled by her dad, free Britney. Now she's writing a book where she gets to tell her truth. God bless her, free Britney. This is often, this is awesome. Thank God she's finally had a chance to tell her side of the story. Justin Timberlake is a piece of garbage because he forced her against her will to have an abortion. What a piece of garbage. He cheated on her. Horrible human being. It says so in the book. God bless you, Brittany. Thank you for speaking out. I'm so glad we finally get to hear your side. We love you. There's nothing wrong with you. You've just had a difficult time. This is what we see online. This is what young people think who still love this woman who's middle-aged ostensibly. I mean, there are people in their 20s and 30s and teenagers who love this woman. I mean, she is very talented. And that's what they believe about her, that none of this other stuff matters. It's this, she had a hard time and her dad is a greedy son of a bitch who ruined her life. Now, chapter two another perspective. And keep in mind, like I said, two things can be true at the same time. Britney Spears started her life in fear. You guys just heard her speak in that preamble to the book, the dedication. Her earliest memories, according to her, are of being afraid. Her dad was a drunk. Her dad was abusive, not to her, she says, I believe. She says to, I don't, I don't want to paraphrase because I don't remember the specifics, but she for sure said he was a drunk and she was afraid and it was difficult. And then she started singing because she knew that was a way to get attention. And when you become famous and popular, everything about your life is controlled. And that's terrible, especially when you're a young person and she's been through hell. But at the same time, <clears throat> she made some poor choices. They may be because she had a terrible childhood. They may be because she had some difficult things that she went through with her dad. It may be because her dad was controlling and her mom wasn't there for her. I don't know. But it's really easy to just decide that Brittany is 100% right and Justin Timberlake is 100% wrong. He had to turn off his Instagram comments because people are trolling him like nobody's business. They're essentially like, you forced Britney to have this abortion. We don't know if that's true. We don't know if she even had an abortion. I have no reason to doubt that she had one, but we don't know if the two of them cried together and thought, you know what, we have to do this. But maybe she felt pressured and never said anything to Justin. Maybe he was like, I don't know if we should do this. And in a moment of weakness, Brittany said, yes, we should do this. And then felt guilty and blamed him for the next 20 years. We don't know. And that's the problem when you write a book like this and you out people and essentially say, 
Justin Timberlake forced me to have an abortion. She also says that he was showed up for her and laid on the bathroom floor and wrote her this letter and framed it for her and held her as she cried. But the trolls don't give a damn about that. They were in their 20s. It's real easy to just blame Justin. Was he a cheater and a philanderer? Yeah, it appears to be so. But we don't know what kind of relationship he was in with her. We don't know anything except what she says. And Justin Timberlake's only option is to A, say stuff, which is going to make him look bad because he's going to have to like refute everything she says, which will make her look bad, which will make the army of her fans come after him even more, or he can stay silent, which who wants the press or any ex-boyfriend or girlfriend to talk about us without us being able to say this isn't what happened. They were kids. And so throughout the entire book, you see moment after moment after moment after moment where Brittany says, well, I just, I didn't know. And the only thing, I mean, I just got married and I didn't know the guy, you know, whatever, I forget the reason, but in Vegas and, I, and my parents were upset with me. Of course they were. They didn't know what the hell you were doing. They didn't know if you were on drugs. They didn't know what was going on. And it appeared that she was. And everyone in Brittany's life is wrong except her. There's a few times when she says, and again, I'm only 58% of the book, so hey, I'll come back and make a correction in a, in a future episode if there's this big turnaround later on. There's a few moments when she's like, you know, I may have made bad choices, but it's because I love my kids or something like that. But in life, life doesn't give a damn if the reason why we did something negative was because we had a bad childhood. Nobody cares. They don't. If you murder people or torture animals because you had a bad childhood, I don't care. Kevin Federline didn't know what she was going to do to that child in the bathroom when she would not come out. When you're in the middle of a contentious divorce and the pressure and the pain, even if you're not famous and your ex soon to be ex-wife or soon to be ex-husband takes one of your children in the bathroom and won't come out until the SWAT team makes them, you got to take responsibility for something like that. And so now here we are, she has this book out and she's like, now I get to tell my side of the story, but exactly it's her side. She has the right to tell a story. She has the right to express her experiences. But it's really hard to watch her take almost no responsibility. We can think about Michael Jackson, who we all know did not have a normal childhood. Same thing. He said it. His siblings have said it. You can look at his childhood. Same thing. He was a machine controlled by his family. And there have always been rumors. And some people even are going on the record saying that he molested them. We'll never know the truth. Maybe we will. I don't know. But when you have only one side of a story coming out, it's just hard to watch. It's hard to read or listen to. 
there's another part in the book where Britney Spears talks about the famous, she shaved her head and why she attacked the paparazzi with an umbrella. The paparazzi, paparazzi are vultures. We all know that. I am, I honestly, I feel like there should be different laws for paparazzi. Like they, if there's any public event with celebrities, they can come out for five minutes, literally five minutes. You take your stupid pictures and then you go home. You can't climb over people's fences or up in trees and like helicopter over their property when they're having a wedding. Like she didn't deserve that. No one does. But just because the paparazzi are there and they are the vulture demons that they are, you can't just take an umbrella and try to hit them and expect nothing to happen. It's just the way it works. So it's hard to listen to the book and see her take little to no responsibility. Everything that happens to her is everyone else's fault. And to my point of two things are true at the same time, part of what I believe is her mental illness doesn't allow her to see anything else. I don't know, maybe she's a narcissist, maybe she's God knows what, I'm not a doctor, but maybe she can't see it. Maybe it's too painful for her to see or to take responsibility because that hurts. Kids gravitate towards the parent that they feel the safest with, generally speaking. That is not always true, but generally speaking. And her kids are older now, and they don't even want to see her. They've said that you're too sexual on Instagram, and it just makes them uncomfortable. And they spend all their time with their dad. And out of one corner of her mouth, she'll say, I would do anything for my kids except stop dancing sexually on Instagram. Most moms, in order to see their kids, if the kids said, I just feel like you're too sexual, would start wearing turtlenecks, would do backflips, would do whatever it takes to see their kids. But Brittany hasn't stopped. She, her, her videos, she's more and more nude every day, every day dancing with knives, a little more cleavage, her, her bikini bottoms pulled down a little lower, more naked butt shots. Like, Britney can do whatever she wants. Yes, she can, but there are consequences. That little girl that grew up in fear and being controlled and being prodded at and being judged and ridiculed, that is horrific, what she went through. And as we can see, it affected her and will affect her for the rest of her life. But at the same time, she's got to take responsibility for some of her actions. And if she can't because of her mental illness, that's okay too. But she can't expect the rest of us to look at her and just go, oh, that's okay, that's fine, it's just... So there's two ways of looking at it, essentially. Thank God she's free to say whatever she wants and she can write a book and finally speak for herself because every media outlet, every ex-boyfriend, every person who exploited her has spoken for her and she was controlled by her dad. And now she's free and she's totally fine 
and Jody's being hard on her. Or all of that stuff is true that she, the crap that she went through, but she's not totally fine. She's not healthy. Her life isn't displayed in a healthy way. And it's not because she dances provocatively. It's the whole package, the multiple pictures saying that she'll post three or four pictures and say, which one do you like better? And they're almost identical and her makeup will be smeared and then weird emojis and weird things that she writes. And then the fact that her kids don't want to be with her and they said, please just stop doing the sexual stuff. And she would like driving without a license and insurance, that stuff matters. Do you want to be hit by somebody without a license and insurance? No. Shouldn't matter if it's Britney Spears or not. I mean, I suppose if it's Britney Spears, you're like, sweet, I'm getting a payday. But still, we don't know. She could hurt somebody. At the end of the day, you can choose to look at it however you do. I know that I don't have the popular opinion. Like I said, I've seen it on social media. It's like, you know, someone who thinks like I think that she is not of sound mind. They think I'm just, I don't know what I'm talking about. And she's just been through a lot. Now that she's free, she'll be fine. Excuse me. She'll be fine. I think I got up there. I have compassion for her and I have empathy for her. But I know that her kids would rather have their mom keep her clothes on and work to spend time with them. And she can't. She can't. She can't stop herself. Which brings us all the way back to the horrible machine that created her life circumstances in the beginning. The entertainment business that takes kids and chews them up and spits them out. Once you're not thin enough or pretty enough or popular enough or your records aren't selling enough, they're done with you. And she didn't have a good, strong foundation, good parents to support her. I don't know if her parents were good, but it seems as if they had some difficulties. I don't know if her sister was a good person or not, but if she's worried about her if, if Jamie Lynn, which is Brittany's sister, if Jamie Lynn is worried about her sister and she speaks with her parents and they're like, you know what, we're just trying to make sure she's okay. We have this conservatorship to make sure she doesn't ruin her life and spend all her money. Like imagine if that had been the case where her dad threw up his, his hands in the air and was like, fine, do what you want. And Brittany like gets taken advantage of, spends all her money at God knows what, ends up homeless on the street. And people would say, why didn't her family do anything? And then when they do something, they say, well, you're doing too much. We don't know behind closed doors what went on. Jamie Lynn gets death threats, death threats from Britney fans. So at the end of the day, it's really sad for all of the things that she has gone through. It seems like she's happy that this book is doing well and that's good and that she did have a chance to speak and I appreciate that. <sighs> but I just don't think it's as simple as she's totally fine now that she's free. She's been through a lot. 
I guess we'll see what happens next. That's what I think anyway. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it.